Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our Summer League sit-down. With our guest today, he is the host of Define Your Legacy, and he's also the co-host of Slam's No Pump Fakes. Please welcome Theus McBee. What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? Appreciate y'all for having me, man. What's going on? Let's get to it. Yes, sir. So, Theus, tell us a little bit about yourself and both of your podcasts. So, yeah, I'll start off with Defiant Legacy. Um, Defiant Legacy is a podcast that I host. Um, it's a financial literacy podcast, um, you know, that raises awareness about that. You know, I, I always say, like, you know, the fact is there's certain things that, you know, the school system um, doesn't teach everyone in terms of finances and, and investing and things like that. Um, and I think that's important for everyone to know. Um, so, you know, I have different guests on that that come on and talk about different things like vending machines, um, real estate, stock market, uh, people that open up their own business. Um, especially young people that are doing it too. Um, I think when we talk about wealth, naturally people tend to talk about like, you know, the same four individuals. Um, but you know, there's way more people that are out here killing the game, um, in the finance world. So, you know, just highlighting their stories and having them provide gems on the show. So, uh, shout out to a defining legacy. And honestly, even deeper than just the finance part, it's also again about, you know, defining your legacy. Um, because some people are wealthy, some people may not be, um, but we all have a legacy. Right. We all have something that, you know, we're going to leave behind, um, whether we like it or not. So it's it's our job while, you know, we still have air in our lungs to really define our legacy. Um, now, on the other side, you know, Pump Fakes with Slam. Um, that's the basketball podcast uh, where myself and, and my other co-host, Ahmad Smith, um, we basically argue about basketball. <laughs> um, and it's it's just pure, pure hoops. Right. No forced narratives. Um, I think myself and Ahmad, when we talked about starting the pod, you know, we realized that there were just certain things that the media was talking about that. Like, yo, who cares? Right. Like, we just want this to be just about basketball. No rumors, no garbage. We don't care about, you know, all the other social media drama and all that. It is just about the game of basketball, straight up. Um, and we go back and forth on it too. Um, you know, and again, shout out to Amon, shout out to, shout out to Slam. Um, no pump face is definitely running. And look, the, the title of that show being No Pump Face is just because, you know, we don't hesitate on our takes, right? We, we say what we got to say and we keep it pushing. We, we're not here to, no drama or anything like that. And I would say, and I can't wait till my eyes hear this, but about 95% of the time, you know, I win the debates, obviously. Um, <laughs> well, my, you know, obviously Amad knows what he's talking about, but you know, I, I make sure to, uh, to bring home the victory when, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, make my, uh, takes. Um, so yeah, that, that's a little bit about me. Just those two podcasts right there, Defying Legacy. Um, really trying to help people get started investing and, and take, um, you know, their legacy as a whole seriously. And I always say it doesn't matter where you, where you are at in life. It doesn't matter, you know, what you got going on. Just start, you know, provide a legacy for you and your family. Um, and then on no pump fakes, I'll argue with any and everybody when it comes to basketball. I don't care. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, pretty much who I am. Just want to be an example for, for all the young people out there. Just, you know, understand that you can always do both, right? You can always argue about sports, but at the same time, make sure you're taking care of your business and your family and, you know, leaving that legacy. So, uh, that's me. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Two great podcasts. We will definitely have both of those links in the description below when the episode drops tomorrow, Thursday, August 19th. But on that note, man, we have a lot to get into today. Jalen, let's get started. Yes, bro. Yes. 
Look, man, we we gonna talk basketball this. You know, you know we gonna get in our mix with that. But you know, there's no way in the world. I told you this before we started the pod. Before we hit the red dot to go and record, there's no way in the world we was gonna have a homie from Slam on and not have a day in the life conversation real quick. You know, we trying to get into this space. You know, there's a lot of people listening to this that love them some sports, love them some Slam. Tell us how you even got in the mix with Slam. What a day for you is doing content with this. I know you had real fun out in NYC asking people if they was willing to take charges from Zion for a rack. I know you had fun doing this stuff, man, but give, give a paint us a picture of what this is actually like, bro. Cause I mean, it's, it's so interesting to watch you work. Yeah. So, all right. So let me kind of take it from the top. I guess my overall journey to get to Slam first to kind of mm. provide a little bit of context. So before I was working at Slam, um, I was working at the NBA and before the NBA, um, I was a manager for the UConn men's basketball team. Um, and the reason why I kind of want to draw it up. That way is because I think, you know, when people see, you know, the stuff I post with Slam, they think, you know, how did you get there? But it started somewhere where, you know, I had to put a lot of hard work and energy into it. Uh, so being a manager at UConn, you know, I definitely learned a lot, um, you know, just the idea of hard work, um, you know, long hours and things like that. Graduating from UConn, like I said, I worked at the NBA, um, kind of doing the same thing with social media. Um, and now I'm working with Slam, I'm doing something very similar, but also the main thing um, is the podcast. Um, right. Again, going back to no pump fakes, arguing about basketball. Um, I mean, the day in the life of it is just like, you know, you kind of uh, react to the news that's kind of going on. But in our, in our own type of way. Right. Um, I know pump fakes. We don't want to just say what happened. You know, we want to provide like ways that we think players and teams will be able to adjust to trades and uh, different signings and things like that. Um, and, and it's definitely dope um, to be able to do it with a platform like Slam supporting it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I, I think I speak for everyone that's really starting the sports industry when you're trying to build something. Um, just yourself, it can be a little challenging. Um, but when you have a, a, a basketball-only brand like Slam, definitely helping you out, it makes it a, a heck of a lot easier. Um, and, and I think Slam has allowed me to realize uh, what my true potential is in terms of doing more on-camera stuff. Um, and I think that's, you know, probably a lesson that I would hope that all of your audience and listeners get from this is that, like, <laughs> hosting a podcast ain't really talked about when you're in high school, middle school, as that possibly being a career. Um, so what I would tell the people is, man, don't let anyone – kind of tell you what you can and cannot do, right? Like, I, I get paid to yell about basketball, you know what I'm saying, and to really put that into perspective for everyone. Like, it is possible. You just got to be willing to put the time in and the effort in um, and take it seriously, too, right? Like, my thing is, like I said, this is my job. So um, don't just, you know, I don't know if I can curse but on here, but you don't good. just ask it, you know, right? Don't don't just treat it as, like, all right, you know, I'm going a, I'm to a talk to my peoples about this, you know, whatnot. But, like, if, it, if it's really something that you want to do, put the time and put the energy in. Um, and let people know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of like what I do at, at Slam, like run the podcast has, is, is definitely, definitely dope. Um, again, man, just the idea of, you know, yelling and debating about basketball, um, with the platform, like I said, um, with Slam is definitely something I'm, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for. Yeah, man. I mean, you had uh, so many interesting things. I saw to sit down with Paul George. Um, talked to a guy from the Philadelphia Inquirer recently too about Ben Simmons. Check the clip out. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Check the clip out. If you thought we were bad talking about Ben Simmons, they can cut up a little. They can cut up a little. I'm gonna just put it that way. Check this man out for yourself. But yeah. I wanna take, I wanna take away what you said, kind of transition into our first like real basketball topic, talking about cutting your teeth, right? Uh, typically NBA wise, one of the first places that you do that when you enter the league is the summer league, right? This is where everything gets kicked off. And this is a really interesting year for the summer league because 
not only is the, this is the first year in terms of running the summer league for the new rookie class, the 2021 class, but the 2020 class that we've already seen go through their rookie year progression also was in the mix. Not just because, you know, they're second year players, but this is their first time too. It's a debut for them as well. So it was a lot of names trying to make a, make a way for themselves with this as either a way to improve off of last year or to put their name out, of, out into the ether after maybe not being drafted as high as they wanted to, or maybe not being drafted to the team that they wanted to, or maybe not showing off the skill set that they planned on doing in college because Let's be real. The college schedule was ridiculous. And so everybody was just kind of working their way through. So, um, Theus, I'm actually going to start with you on this one. Who are some players that have really stood out to you during summer league? I know it's on the back end now when we've been doing stuff like the all-NBA teams and stuff for it. But who are some guys who stood out to you? Well, now, I mean, I'm just going to say, like, the two MVPs, right? Cam, Cam mm-hmm. Thomas and Davion Mitchell. Um, and the crazy thing is neither of them were, like, the top pick, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think Davion, you know, excellent defender. Um, we saw what he did at Baylor, but now just kind of see what he's done doing it now. Uh, continue to do it in the summer league. Um, Sacramento got something special. Sacramento definitely has something special. And Cam Thomas, what's crazy is, right, we, we saw what he did at LSU and now scoring, you know, in the summer league. But when you think about who he's getting ready to learn from and play with, right, KD, Kai, James Harden, winners and, and guys who we know what they can do on the basketball court, that's going to be special. Um, I mean, I know, you know, you talk about summer league, but when we talk about rookie of the year, um, I always say that one of the biggest things to winning rookie of the year is opportunity. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. Cam, you know, when you're playing with three guys who can give you 40 on any given night, it's going to be tough to win that award. But just overall, in terms of improvement and the opportunities that he's going to have, it's going to be special. Um, and Davion, too, um, on the other end, I know, you know, he's with Sacramento and he's going to be teaming up with De'Aaron, but just in terms of the opportunity that he'll have. Um, but overall, man, I, I'm just glad that summer league happened. Um, I know obviously last year was, was completely different. And shout out to last year's class to have no summer league at all. Um, shout out to Ann Edwards, shout out to LaMelo Ball and all those guys. Cause I mean, can y'all imagine if LaMelo had a summer league? And I don't know if you guys have ever been to summer league, but summer league is crazy in itself. But to have LaMelo playing and we all know how, you know, everyone, you know, the audience is up, love, loves LaMelo, but it just would have been special. Um, I think summer league is a perfect place for guys to showcase their talent. Um, you know, guys that get trapped and guys that don't. Um, but, yeah, man. I mean, this year I think was definitely um, a unique one, and I'm already kind of looking forward um, to the season and seeing what you know these young guys can do. Um, and obviously, when we talk about you know the lottery picks and, and guys in the top five and stuff, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, um, Cade. Like, I, I think this is going to be um, a special class. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think the interesting too is like the polar opposites of the guys you listed off, right? Co MVPs, but like for totally different reasons. Davion's out here hounding people. How did people to the point that I think that Sacramento might need to genuinely think about the idea of running a three guard lineup. I know that it might seem a little far fetched when you talk about the fact that Davion's like what six foot two, but I really think he's been I mean, he's been Ding up up a weight class, so to speak, yeah. since Baylor, right? So I think yeah. a lot of people slept on that. And I think that's one of those things that like from a culture standpoint, it hasn't been said enough that I think I mean this was we were talking about the worst defense, team defense last year, in terms of like statistically across the board. He's instantly gonna change that. And then for Cam, like you said, walk in bucket and anybody who's just getting hip to Cam Thomas, I'm telling you right now, he was a movie at Oak Hill. He was a movie. So the fact yeah. that he's been able to go from Oak Hill in high school, LSU be that same bucket, and then now, oh, man, like you said, the tutoring is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, even on the Sacramento front, it's like, you know, it's been a minute since Sacramento, you know, obviously has made it to, you know, play out some Western Conference Finals and all that. But so to me, it, it doesn't hurt to try something new. 
right? right. So it, it, usually people say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, in their case, you know, you might want to <laughs> make some adjustments. But I think, again, they, they have, you know, the, the, the young pieces that I think can, can make that possible. Um, and again, even with, with Cam, I, I think, you know, in turn, like everyone that gets drafted, right, is talented. Like mm. almost 60 guys can get drafted to the NBA per year. So if you get drafted, that means you have some sort of talent. But now when you surround yourself, right, with other guys that have been in the league and proven themselves, you know, that, and, and there's not going to be a lot of pressure for him, right? So and no one's going to be asking him to score 40. Mm. Right? No one's going to be asking him to put in 40 minutes a game. So when you combine those two things, it's like, yo, he, he's going to have a chance to really um, prove himself and continue um, to improve on a day-to-day basis. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting in Brooklyn. It, it, it's going to be very, very interesting in Brooklyn. Um, now, I won't jump ahead too far and say who I have won the championship, but I will mm-hmm. say, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in, uh, in Brooklyn. Okay, see, we go, we, we gonna get there. We working our way through. Hey, Ryan, we gonna stick at Summer League real quick, cause, cause we, we don't wanna right, get right. too far ahead of the bucket, but he, he's, yeah. he's, he's queuing us up for something that I know is gonna be real fun towards the end of the pod. But let's talk about, let's talk about what Theus was bringing up in terms of some of the returning guys in terms of the 2020 class. Who are some guys that stood out to you? I mean, between both classes, if you have anybody in particular, who are some guys that have stood out to you in Summer League? Cause it's been really good across the board. You know, I, I'm gonna say Kate. And as ironic as it is, like, okay, he, you know, he's the number one pick. Why would he stick out? It's because a lot of people, myself included, thought Jalen should have gone one. And I, and I know there were some reports that, you know, said that, you know, Jalen Green, um, you know, had mixed feelings about Detroit, whatever. But to see Cade play on a, on a professional level, um, again, mm-hmm. you know, never question his talent, of course, but to now see that he can kind of, you know, pretty much do it all on all facets of, of the floor, um, you know, to me, it's going to be interesting. Um, because again, going back to the whole opportunity thing, when it comes to rookies, he's going to have it, right? You know, you look at Detroit's roster, it's not a crowded backcourt. A lot of guys get drafted to a team where like Orlando, they got a young, they got a lot of young pieces. They got a lot of young guards out there, right? So adding Jalen Suggs, obviously, you know, if I had to guess, he's probably going to be the number one option in terms of opportunity, but it's still a lot of growth that's needed with that backcourt. But Cade, it's his show, right? It, it, they're going to give him the keys early and often. So to see what kind of he's doing in, or he did in summer league, uh, I'm definitely one happy for him, but two, even more with the pressure that's going to be on him as the number one overall pick, you know, and it ain't going to be too much excuses. As, as you mentioned before, when we talk about Ben Simmons um, on no pump fakes, it's like, you know, when you, when you're drafted number one, you have a very small window until people start to question. All right. You know, let's, let's, let's win some games here. Let's get it done. But for right now, I think with what Cade is going to be working with, um, there's still somewhat opportunity and room for him to to grow and, and kind of carry that franchise and change that franchise back to what it used to be when they were, you know, beating my uh, beating my Lakers in the finals. But that's neither here nor there. But you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, growth for Cade on the way, and he's already talented. Ron, your thoughts on some of the guys from summer league, man? You got a lot of names that's been thrown out already. I think there's a couple more guys in the back pocket. Obviously, you have to think about what Thea said, Davion Mitchell and Cam Thomas. Davion Mitchell was part of that defensive effort in the championship of that summer league game against the Celtics. I think it was like 25 turnovers that were forced on the Celtics. It was a crazy amount of turnovers. But it just shows you how much he's grown on the defensive side. It's really something that he was known for coming out of Baylor as a 3-and-D guy. And I think it could be a steal for Sacramento 
to have Davion Mitchell on their roster. I just think it'll be interesting because of the fact that the three-guard lineup is something they have to think about going forward, especially with Luke Walton. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the three-guard lineup thing, I, I hope the NBA continues um, to move in that direction. Um, just because, I mean, I think that works for a little bit more ball movement, um, but as well as ISO opportunities, right? It's a little bit of both. Um, and it'll just be in, you know, you got three young guys, right? It's three young guys who I think will continue um, to, to you know, work it out in Sacramento, um, especially De'Aaron. Um, I really like his game, and I just hope that Sacramento um, can eventually get over the hump in terms of making the playoffs and really taking that next step. Because um, I think one of the worst things, to be honest, one of the worst things that you can be in the league is mid. Right? One of the worst things you can do is be in the middle of the pack. You know, at, at least if you're bad, right, you can get a top pick, and then you go from there. Right? Or obviously on the opposite end, you could be very good and possibly win championships. But if you're in the middle of the pack, if you keep getting eight seeds or, or nine, ten seeds, it's like you're bad enough to get out the first round, but too good to get a great pick. So it's like, all right, what exactly are you doing as an organization? Um, and it sucks, too, you know, not to keep talking about Sacramento, but um, when you're in an area where free agency isn't, you know, too popular, now you kind of start thinking of ways to become creative, right, whether it's trades, um, you know, the draft, whatever. Um, but, you know, like I said, I mean, it, there's definitely a youth movement, I feel, a little bit. In, uh, in, in that, um, for that team. So, um, we'll see though. But yeah, to go off what you said before, Summer League as a whole, man, it, it was definitely, um, something special. Shout out to my guy, James Booknight, um, UConn's finest. Looking forward to see what he's going to do, um, with Charlotte. Um, shout out to John DeCaminga, another guy who's going to be able to play with three Hall of Famers. So the pressure is going to be off him a little bit, um, to kind of, you know, space the floor and, and operate the way he wants. Um, so I mean, yeah, just overall, man, you know, we, we got a lot of young talent entering the league. Um, some of the was special. It, it's going to be um, a special, special rookie class. I would also say Cam Thomas as well, like you mentioned earlier. I mean, he had 27 points per game in the summer league this year, and I think his scoring ability is tremendous. If he can translate his play from LSU over to the NBA, I think that will be huge for Brooklyn to have a guy coming off the bench that can give you 20-plus points a game. It was a steal for Brooklyn. And I would not be surprised if he quickly rises up the ranks and becomes the sixth man over Patty Mills on this team. But I think he provides a lot of scoring to Brooklyn's bench. I think if he can get those consistent minutes, that would be great. And he's playing with Kevin Durant, which I think would be huge. But we have failed to mention one guy who has taken over the summer league. And it's a guy who plays for the Miami Heat, Max Struess. He came out of nowhere, essentially. Yeah, I mean, Miami tends to find those what diamonds in the rough. I mean, you kind of saw what they did uh, with Duncan Robinson in that contract. And shout out to him, you know, obviously being undrafted. But, I mean, overall, this is kind of what Miami does. Right, like they, they they find these guys that's like, hmm, let me let's let's take a sh- a chance on him, and then they end up developing, and they end up playing very very well. So it, it's surprising, but at the same time, it's not just because you know how that organization is um, as a whole. Uh, but even that team, you know, I, I mentioned uh, before another uh, episode was like, where does Miami rank in terms of Eastern Conference powerhouses? Right, do they have the opportunity to return to the NBA Finals, or will they fall out of playoffs? You know, like, I, I don't think the latter is going to happen, but I mean, I think when you have a team with, you know, Kyle Lowry, Bam, Jimmy, um, you still got Dunk, you still got Tyler. Um, I think great things can happen, um, for that city. Listen, I hope, to be honest with you, it, it'll be pretty dope to have a Miami and Los Angeles finals where both teams can play at the crib. Obviously, they, they, that happened in the bubble, but you know, the NBA finals in Miami can be very, very special, regardless of who the hell wins. But I personally would not be mad. If I had to, you know, go to Miami for an NBA Finals. So, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Miami, it, it's going to be interesting though. I, w- I will say, especially with um, Kyle and Jimmy, two guys who've played, you know, in the Olympics and overseas and things like that before. So um, it should be special. It should be special for them. And I definitely think he'll provide some like guard depth to a team that already has a lot of it. But I think the summer league could give you a case that he could be a role player on the Miami Heat, especially if you watch the Grizzlies game, for example, 32 points, including a double overtime game winner in the first couple of minutes. I think that was impressive. I think his shot-making ability is impressive. Him creating openings for not only himself, but also other teammates. I think that was impressive as well. Miami has a lot of talent on their bench. I mean, you keep in mind, you have him and then you have Omer Yurtsevin. They definitely have a lot of talent that they can work with. It's just about finding a place. And I think Max Struess could be a guy that just that climbs up the ranks for this team. Oh, yeah. And one of the biggest things, too, when it comes to playoffs is, is depth. Like yeah. We always talk about being, you know, top heavy, right? You have to have your best players playing at a high level. But nobody has won a championship without, you know, the help of other teams um, or, excuse me, without, without the help of other players. So, you know, you look at some of those Warriors squads, obviously they were top heavy, but they also had depth. So, um, you know, that's something that you're definitely going to need because guys get tired. You know, everybody's a human. So if you don't have that, if you can't go eight, nine, ten deep, then, you know, you might be you know, in trouble. And we saw that Miami was able to do that. So um, to, to know that they – could possibly continue to do that in this upcoming regular season. Just goes to show that it's not going to be a cakewalk for Brooklyn. It's not going to be a cakewalk for Milwaukee. It's not going to be a cakewalk for Philly. Right? It's going to take some time and some, you know, some hard work to really pull it off, regardless of who they play. And you talk about depth. I mean, this is something that I've been harping on on this podcast, especially with a lot of the big playoff caliber teams. Like you, you talk about Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Atlanta. You know, those teams have depth. Now you add Miami to this equation where they got a star point guard in Kyle Lowry, and you have a lot of players in the summer league that showed out. You can honestly say that this team is nine, ten deep now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, definitely nine, ten deep. Um, but again, to me, top heavy wise, I still uh, probably would take Brooklyn or Giannis. But again, like with the way, and you know, another thing is too about Miami, it's the way they play, right? Like they're not just talented; they they're they're not afraid of the moment, especially Kyle Lowry, right? Like it's, you know, they, they play with the chip on their shoulder, especially guys like that. When your two best players are like that, Kyle and Jimmy, and even though, you know what I'm saying, they're very good, right, at, at what they do. They're, they're, you know, paid very well. They're all-stars. Both of them, when you look at the beginning of their careers, they weren't like, you know, high draft picks, right? They weren't these two guys who came to the league averaging 30. Right. They weren't two guys who people were just going to assume going to be Hall of Famers. They had to work for what they have now. You know, and, and so I think with their energy being able to be transferred to the rest of the team like that is it's going to show um, how important it is for them to really kind of stay together and rely on that more so than their talent. Um, now, again, I, I think they could. Right? They have the possibility of reaching the final. Not saying that they will. But I mean, when it comes to the playoffs, I mean, we learned it this year. Right. Any, anything can happen. So, I mean, it, it's just a matter of if they can continue to put the work in it and stay together as a unit. So y'all going to make me do it, huh? Y'all going y'all gonna to make me do it, huh? We, exactly. we just not going to bring up LiAngelo Ball's name today. Y'all just going to y'all gonna put me in that spot. Y'all going y'all gonna to put me in that I, spot. I, 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 I y'all agree. are talking. No, 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 no. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Y'all going to make me do it because I, I, I didn't think I was going to be doing I was relying on Ryan to carry me. I thought he was leading me into something. I wasn't sure, but I'm going to have to be the one on the podcast to do it. Y'all have been talking about people 
that have had a legitimate chance, whether it's based on where they've been drafted or in Struess's case, the way he – this is not his first rodeo for, for people who don't know. This is not Struess's first rodeo. You're talking about people who are in real contention for a playoff, for a playoff roster or just a flat-out position on a team, right? This is a dude in Leandro Ball who the last time we saw him on the NBA court in general was with the OKC Blue and pretty much did not get on the court because of cancellation, right, in terms of the G League season. This is a guy who's come out. He's slimmed down significantly since high school. I think that's one of the first things that stands out. We have to talk about a guy who, okay, well, let's flesh out the background, right? Chino Hills is a movie. You play with your three. You, you play, with, play with your other two brothers as part of a trio, one of the better teams in the country, definitely in the L.A. area. You go into college, you don't even really get to play for UCLA because mm, we're not going to talk about the details. Just know that he's not a great guy for making a move like that. So you put yourself in a position where now you're really fighting for a chance to still realize his dream, right? Remember, you're you're the middle child and the only one not in the NBA. That's his own that's his own storyline by itself, right? But for him to come out and hoop, this is not like this is he. And to hoop in a way that's translatable, right? Because one of the biggest things we talk about in the NBA nowadays is that the three ball is king, right? This is one of those things that has been a development in the NBA in which we all know that three is more than two in terms of the points, but it's the volume that's increased significantly in the NBA that's really changed the way the game is played. The trailer three is like a drawn-up play by itself now, right? The fact that he's been able to come into Summer League and display that he has NBA caliber talent at a at a specialist position that I feel like is starting to become more and more important, right? One of the first guys that comes to mind is J.J. Reddick still in the league, right? Kyle Korver made dimes off of just being a shooter three-point shot. My guy, Otto Porter, is somehow still making rosters despite the fact the man can't keep his legs from underneath him. You feel me? Because we know he can shoot the tray ball. So for him to be able to step up into this space, now don't get me wrong, 11 points per game, not too crazy, I understand still the Summer League, and we'll talk about the hype of Summer League in a little bit, but for him to come in and for Charlotte to really mess with him, because it's been reported that they really like him, are really under the impression that they were going to try to find a roster spot for him, I know that gets tricky because of the way they drafted this year, they got... Three really solid guys in the draft uh, when you look at Kai Jones, James Booknight, like Theus mentioned earlier. And then um, I also think that JT Thor is going to be a guy for this team as well. I think he's going to be really interesting down the, down the line. But for a dude to have gone the path that he went and to ball out like that, again, he's not averaging 20-plus points per game, nothing crazy like that. But for him to have a transferable game for a guy who was pretty much told that he was not going to make the league, if we're going to be real, the last two, three years – Pretty much wasn't on anybody's radar. For him to have a transferable game like that, I gotta, I gotta respect it. I gotta respect it. Oh, facts, facts, and 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 definitely shout out to Leandro just because of his overall story and, and journey to get here. Right, you mentioned the whole idea of being the middle child and everything that he's got had to go through to get to this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, shout out to Charlotte too uh, for giving him a chance. Um, and now I think he's proving that he's on that roster because he's good at basketball. Right. It wasn't just like a family thing. It wasn't, oh, you know, he's related, his brother on a team. Like he's he's good. And even though a lot of people know that, a lot of people hate on that as well. Right. Which sucks that you know that's what comes with the territory um, when you're at that level. But I mean, shout, shout out to him. You're right. You know that that that's that's on me. He he definitely um, deserves his flowers. Um, you know it, it sucks though because whenever I hear Charlotte pouring into rookies and, and young guys, my immediate thought um, is James 
book night just because of the UConn ties. As it should be, though, because he's going to be the truth, bro. I think for real, for real, one of the biggest things that, and Ryan, we talked about this a little bit after the draft was over. I mean, one of the one of the best picks they could have made in terms of a fit standpoint, I think one of the biggest things Charlotte did was they played to the strength of the drafts, right? Michael Jordan had this tendency over the last couple of years of doing the blue blood guy, the 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 blue collar guy in terms of where the school picked up from. Um, and it's just one of those things that hasn't translated, right? It's one of those things that hasn't really looked too great. I think my, uh, you, you talk about Miles Bridges. He's probably the only guy that's kind of out of that mold. And even he's a Michigan State guy. So even when you look at that, the origin of it obviously stands out. But like one of the easy picks I can point out right now, and he's still a rotational big man, but like Frank Kaminsky, right? Like to, to, to go out on that, I, I would have to pull up the draft in which he was taking place to think about all the guys that were passed on. But I'm sure I can come up with a couple of names real easily if the list was pulled out. So just for them to go and play to a real strength, to go after the athlete, right? Like, like that. James Booknight being an off guard for them. Kai Jones being somebody that has the upside, the, the, the legitimate upside to be like a dangerous three, four, low key five as they play small ball five for them. JT Thor, JT Thor to me, is everything in the version of hype that Bowl Bowl was for me, but with an actual NBA body build, which is the interesting part about him because I feel like if he can come into his own from an offensive standpoint, he's going to be a problem. You know, and, and it sucks, though, because they, lo- they left out on uh, Malik Monk. Yeah, right? that's they, true. They lost Malik Monk. And shout out to Malik. Um, I think he's going to do amazing things um, with the Lakers. But, I mean, it's interesting, though, um, with Charlotte as a whole, just the direction in th- that they're heading. Um, you know, whether or not they'll make the playoffs, that'll be, you know, something special to see. Um, I think LaMelo, you know, is definitely the future, um, of that franchise as well as James. I think that's going to be a crazy backcourt moving forward. They lost out on Devontae. Um, but I mean, again, you, you got James now. So I think just overall, again, another team where the youth movement is as obvious as, as ever. And anytime you got the greatest player to ever pick up a basketball, um, a part of your organization, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough to fail. Right. I think, you know, Mike, you know, kind of knows what he's doing. And obviously, if there's anybody we give a chance to, I think it probably should be him. So, so Ryan, with that being the case, so we're going to, we're going to make, we might not stick to this. You know, we're going to have like a preseason awards, like actual episode. So we might not stick to these right now, but summer league, fresh off summer league being over. Seen everybody play at least a little bit, right, in terms of the rookie class, because, you know, Jalen Green and um and Jalen Suggs both kind of went down a smidget early, you know, in terms of, you know, getting their little nicks here and there. So we didn't get to see as much of them. But, Ryan, I'm going to start with you on this one. Based on everything you've seen, we did a lot of work during co- during the back end of college season in terms of preparing for our NBA draft episodes. We worked really hard based on everything we saw from a film standpoint, and now we got the summer league stuff in the books. Ryan, for you, who are the top three candidates for you in terms of rookie of the year as like a way too early prediction, just based on what you've seen so far? So for me at number one, I have Kate Cunningham. I think Cade will do a lot for the Pistons in this upcoming season. Great scoring ability. He can shoot the three. He has the ability to become a great defender with some development over time, adding on to the fact that you could, you consider Cade the cornerstone of a young rebuilding team that has a lot of young talent that for the most part has really proved themselves in the summer league. I mean, guys like Anthony Tart from Coppin State, Luca Garza, who mm-hmm. recently put up a double double and he, he's been doing some pretty interesting things with the Pistons going forward. 
I think Cade could be the MVP of the Pistons this year with how much that he could do on the floor. I think for number two, I would say Jalen Green. I think he showed us a lot in the summer league that he has the potential to be the leader of this young core for the Rockets. He's a great athlete, solid ball handler, great free throw shooter. He could end up being a human highlight reel this year with his playmaking ability this season. And not to mention, I mean, the Rockets drafted very well. Alperin Sengun, from what I've seen in the summer league, guy with tremendous upside. I think that he could be huge for them in the front court. Josh Christopher, look, if you saw what Josh Christopher and Jalen Green did in high school, you already know there's a movie coming up. So For sure. This is going to be huge to see them. My last player in my Rookie of the Year conversation, I would say Jalen Suggs. This is a high IQ basketball player, unselfish on the court, great playmaker. I think Sugg will have the ability to take over at guard for the Magic, given what he's done in the Summer League. But I think the only real issue is there's a lot of guard depth there. It's, mm-hmm. it's just about who, who's going to get the playing time. Because, you know, you have Markel Fultz coming back around ACL injury, Cole Anthony, all-rookie second team. We can't really doubt his abilities. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a crowded backcourt at the moment, but I think Suggs will get enough time to really shine. Yeah, I mean, mine would probably be very, very similar, almost the exact same. Um, so one, K, two, Jalen. And three, I, I was torn between um, Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley. But to your point, with Jalen Suggs being in that crowded backcourt, you know, like I said, one of the biggest things when it comes to rookie of the year is opportunity, right? So if you got a bunch of guys that play the same exact position as you, that's going to be kind of tough. Um, so with that being said, I would probably say Evan at three. Um but I mean, I, I mean, I think that third spot could be a toss up. And, and who knows? It may end up being a, a, a guy who got picked at like, you know, later on in the first round. You never know. Um, but I mean, I, I think those are three strong candidates and definitely shout out to Gup too. Cause I, that was another person I think I forgot to mention too. And he mentioned it perfect. Like, but we saw him and Jalen, Jalen Green do, um, in high school and now they're on the same team, same team. I think that's definitely dope. And I know, you know, they're happy as hell for this to kind of be a reality. You know, there's 30 teams in the NBA. You know I'm saying, what's the likelihood that, you know, they're now become teammates in the league? So, Debbie shout to go up. Yeah, those, those are probably my three. Um, I mean, I'm going to go with you guys for the most part. Um, I think I'm going to switch it uh, in terms of who I first. I'm going with Jalen at one. Um, we talk about opportunity. You also have to talk about how the way voters vote. Voters love points, mm-hmm. bro. And this dude's gonna, this dude's gonna lead the point total by a landslide. I feel it in my gut. I, Ryan, if you remember, I already went out on a limb and said, I think he's gonna average 20 points a game rookie year off top, which is not something that happens often, but I think that he's gonna have the capability. Now, playing, playing next to Kevin Porter Jr., I think that's gonna be tricky, but I think that Kevin Porter is a lot more of a one on this team. I think what they do with John Wall will be, it will be even more important in terms of talking about the opportunity aspect of it. But I also think in the short term aspect, his his ability to facilitate is only going to help this open up things even more for Jalen Green from that spot. So I think he's going to be one. I got Kay Cunningham, too. I think all of – this is a team that is built in a way to be around Kay Cunningham in ways OK State wasn't, right? You talk about guys at OK State not shooting really any higher than about 35% from three uh, for the most part. Across the board, they probably shot just barely over 31% as a team from three if you take Kate out the mix. This is a team, when you look at, I mean, you talk about Sadiq Bay alone being having that guy as an outlet to be able to pass the ball to, I think it's going to be huge. Some of the guys that they have as athletes, Jeremy Grant is going to be big. Killian Hayes. I got to, we got to figure out what's up with Killian though, bro. I, Ryan, you remember I was big on him last year and I'm still, I'm still hype about Killian, but I'm wondering if he, 
I'm wondering if the, by giving Killian the ball as a lead point guard that you're actually minimizing who Cade actually is, which is a lead ball handler. That's the one thing that's tricky about me because I about them is I just wonder how those two work together because if their idea is to make Killian Hayes the point guard. I think you might be minimizing what you're supposed to be getting out of Kay Cunningham as a talent. And then number three, bro, I might be going out on a limb on this one. And I mean, if I am, that's perfectly fine with me because I feel like a lot of people are paying attention to him for all the wrong reasons. But I'm going to go to the fourth pick at Scotty Barnes. Everybody's been just kind of skipping over him because he's the one who upset the apple cart on on draft night. You know, I mean, Ryan, we made our draft board, and we could have swore it was Jalen Suggs, four, Scotty Barnes, five, and we were just going to keep that ball rolling. And we were looking pretty good, you know, for a minute. Even if you go past the first five or six, you look at our board, we had the top 15 guys or so correct. It was just where they landed. It was where things got mixed up. And Scotty, Scotty's that domino. But I think he's going to be the truth because there's a first, there's a few things that factor out. One, I think that he, his personality is going to ooze on, all ooze off instantly. He's already getting clipped for freaking out after dunks and hitting threes. He's a talker. He's a guy who's going to play some both sides of the floor. Pascal Siakam's not going to start the year. You can't tell me this man with the fourth overall pick is not going to start at the four while we wait on Pascal Siakam to come back. You know, he's still rehabbing from surgery. So he's going to get early opportunity. And I think that I don't think it's going to slow down once Pascal comes back. I'm not saying he's going to take Pascal's spot. What I'm saying is I think that's going to, they're, they're going to learn about just how versatile Scotty Barnes really is. Because I think, I really think Florida State the way they run things, there's there's there are deep teams, right? They're teams that don't necessarily you don't see a lot of freshmen go off for Florida State. They're a system team. We saw Scotty Barnes come out shooting threes the first day off rip. He had one of his I think his first day he took 18 shots. I think his career high at Florida State was like 13. He's already turned up in terms of being aggressive. So I think that Scotty Barnes, between his personality, between the fact that I think Toronto is going to be in the mix for one of those eight spots in the East, and on top of that, I think the fact that he's as versatile as he is, man, he, he's going to be on Sports Center a handful of times. I'm telling y'all right now. It's not he's not a jump by the gym guy like Jalen Green is, but I'm telling you, off top, he's going to be somebody that a lot of people are going to start paying attention to a couple games into the season. Well, I mean, you mentioned it too. I mean, just opportunity, right? Like, just going on that. If, like, you know, if the guy in front of you, shout to Pascal, was very talented, but if he's out, then, I mean, you got the keys, right? right? Like, you, you know, Kyle Lowry's gone. I know they would still, you know, have Fred and stuff, but, I mean, opportunities, I think, is one of the biggest things when it comes to winning Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year doesn't always mean you're the most talented or you're the best, right? It means who produced the most. Right. Um, like, usually the, the, those things go hand in hand, but, I mean, hey, if a guy is getting 35 minutes a game and another guy is getting 20, some tells me that guy that's getting 35 is going to get more points. <laughs> so we'll, we'll kind of see how, how the season progresses. But, you know, I think the minutes factor always plays a huge, huge uh, part in it, too. So, Diz, I'm going to stick with you for something that I feel like is really important when we talk about all this. Because at the end of the day, Summer League is Summer League. That's what we have to all tell ourselves. Oh, facts. Oh, facts. Analysts tell themselves, let's not overhype it. Writers tell themselves, I know I have to put myself in this pocket whenever I have to go write an article. I've actually been thinking of a couple summer league things to put together, but I also have to take into account 
how translatable is this when you talk about putting them on the active roster as opposed to being in a showcase, essentially, right? This is the tricky thing about AAU as well. AAU is a dunk fest. I'm sure you've been very close to mm-hmm. talking about some of these AAU squads in terms of them not being the most traditional form of basketball, right? So the question I want to ask you is, do you feel like there's anything that you actually learn or take away from summer league or do you feel like the hype around summer league is overrated absolutely absolutely so everything i would say non-basketball is what i would take away from summer league right like so how guys react when they're taken out of the game right Mm. how guys react when another player is being successful how guys react when um they're asked not to play whether because of injury or just overall risk um how they react towards actually wanting to win and treating it like, yo, I know this is summary, but I don't give a shit. I still want to win. Right. It's, it's certain things like that. Because like I said, all of these guys are talented, right? The, the the guys that get drafted in the first round in lottery, they're supposed to dominate, right? Like, we know that. But there's certain things that you start to kind of take notice of. Like, all right, is, is he really about to get a tech in summer league? Like, is he really about to get ejected? Is he really about to treat, you know, his his his, his coach who in summer league, even though he might not be the head coach of the actual team, how mm-hmm. does he treat him or her? You know, so it's certain things that you kind of pick up on and, and tend to notice because now they're at the spotlight, right? Like as a rookie, you're at the spotlight not too many times during the season. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like summer league, the day of the draft, rookie photo shoot, that's when people show you love and that's when people care about you. So if you can't even perform for me or act in a high level at that point, why in the hell would I think you're going to, you know what I'm saying, be cool and good to go come, you know, January? You know right. what I'm so kind of just looking past just the, the basketball part of it. Um, so when I see guys get, you know, 20, 25, again, that's good, mm-hmm. but it's somewhat expected because it, it's in a way should be a repetition of what you did at the previous level. You right. know, so whether it be in college or a guy go overseas or, you know, Jalen playing in the G League, whatever. Like there's a reason why you are drafted two, right? Okay, there's a reason why you are drafted one. So now mm-hmm. you're playing against guys who you should be dominating. So – um, I, I like to kind of think of it and look at the, the ways in, in which, you know, basketball isn't involved. And, you know, to me, that that's a huge factor of how I think these guys will kind of progress over the course of the regular season and the rest of their career. Because we've seen guys go crazy in summer league and never hear from again. And we've seen guys play like ass in the summer league and then just go off in the regular season. Um, so, I mean, and, and again, especially this year, it was, you know, four or five games. I'm not going to, you know, lose confidence or be completely you know, in awe of, of, of any guys right now. Again, obviously, I have an opinion about it. It's still basketball. Mm-hmm. Like you still play the game. I don't give a shit who else is on the court. You still play it. But at the same time, this ain't a game seven in the NBA Finals. Right. But at the same time, this ain't a, a winner-go-home playoff game. So, you know, you just kind of put it into perspective. But I do agree, though, that Summer League should be, you know, taken with a, a grain of salt, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, and I and Ryan, I'm going to actually go to you because one of the things that I was researching when I was looking into this is just how interesting Summer League does sway opinions, right? Summer League was one of those things for Trey Young. Everybody thought he was going to be a bust based off Summer League, right? I'll speak for myself as the Atlanta Hawks fan on the podcast. I feel as though that has worked out very well for myself and my team at the moment. On the other end of the spectrum, a guy by the name Jared Bayless leads Summer League in scoring all time. I don't know about y'all, but I've never really worried about uh, a guy like Bayless. And the only time I really was worried about him was making sure he was always my sixth man on 2K11. But that was really it. 
So in my circumstance, I feel like you take when you take the when you take what you look at summer league with a grain of salt, it gives you enough perspective to say, I saw some good things, I saw some bad things. Where do we meet in the middle? As opposed to leaning all the way in. So Ryan, what I want to ask you is, in terms of summer league play, if there were something that you had to take away from it, right? Thea said that it's off the court stuff. It's more mannerisms and stuff like that. So like sticking with this kind of theme of like, what would you take away if you were to take something away from it? What would that thing be for you? Because I feel, I feel as though you can lean a lot of different ways. There's mannerism. There is on the court. There is on the court. There is outside. So how do you feel? How do you feel? I think it's a mixture of all of those things. And I think there's a couple of things that I took away from the summer league. The first thing was that you learn about how players fit with other fit fit with other players on their team. Do you have good chemistry on the floor together? I point out the Sacramento Kings who went five and zero in the summer league and won the championship handily against the Boston Celtics. Mm. And it, it was basically getting consistent games from players like Davion Mitchell, Manuel Terry, Lewis King, who was a G League guy. You think about continuity, and that's the big thing going forward for a lot of these players. And you also learn about how players are developing. Are they improving on certain skills that they struggle with in college to make mm. themselves better? Even in games, you look at the type of fouls that players are committing and see if you can avoid committing those fouls again. And then you look at positioning. Are players sticking to their defensive assignments? So I think that's what makes the, the summer league so valuable. And I, I think it's more of a learning process for players involved to get them ready for the NBA. But then you look at the talent pool. Jalen, we saw a guy who was drafted 60th overall in 2013 play for the Magic this year in Janice Tenma. And he got yep. some significant playing time. I mean, he had a couple good games. He had 11, 6, and 2 blocks in one of his games against the Summer League. I mean, you also look at this Rookie of the Year conversation. We can obviously say Kate and Jalen are, or Kate and Jalen Suggs are the 1 and 2, respectively. But when you look at that third spot, it goes back to the talent. How many guys can you name that could potentially be in that top three? I mean, you have Evan Mobley, you have Jalen Suggs. I had significant thoughts of putting Cam Thomas or Alperin Sangoon as that third. Chris guy. Duarte out with Indiana too. I mean, he's gonna get playing time. Like, I think that is, I think you have a really good point. What my, so the reason why I asked you guys is, is because there's a lot of boom bust stuff that takes place within these two weeks, right? The NBA is dead for this little, little pocket of, pocket of time. Summer league is passed. Free agency is pretty much over. In terms of training camp stuff, we're a little bit away from everybody really turning up. Um, so there's a lot of time for people to think. There's also a lot of time for people to think too hard, right? That's one of the biggest things that I think comes with the NBA is kind of trying to find things to talk about. And one of the bigger things that most people lean on is just what did they see lately? And obviously the most important thing in the NBA right now has been summer league and how they perform. So because my, my, my take on this whole thing with summer league is this. Translatability is huge. Ryan, what you said about guys improving on specific skills from college to that summer league, that summer league circuit is probably the biggest thing I lean on because there's a system in college. In the NBA summer league, you are asked to hoop. That is it. You are asked to hoop. Scotty Barnes question for whether he's going to be willing to shoot the three, whether he is aggressive enough to shoot the ball and be a scorer. We saw that in short stints in that, in that aspect. When you talk about a guy in Alper and Singoon, 
Is he too much of a post player, somebody that if you drafted him in 2010, he probably should have went number one overall? Then he hits a three-pointer from half court and tells you he's about that range if he really is asked to do that. He's somebody that's willing to experiment with opening up his game. James Booknight, Thaddeus' uh, uh, fandom, a guy who handles the ball very significantly. Is he a guy who can keep the ball on a string and actually score with all that wiriness despite being a slight frame guy? That was a guy who played a lot through contact in the summer league. So those little things that you see the knocks on throughout the college season, same thing with Cade when you talk about him with his turnovers, right? It was another thing about that when that was one of the bigger knocks that everybody leaned on of whether or not he should go number one was, well, he turns the ball over at a two-to-one, you know, turnover rate and this, that, and the third. No, man, this dude, when put in the right position, is a hooper at the end of the day. But I understand why you still need to improve upon those things. And even with Cade, you know, I wouldn't say that Cade from a from a three point standpoint was somebody that was like, you know, on everybody's radar. I think that hit that game against New York was one of those things that told you like, okay, he can really light it up, right? We would always talk about the fact that he would average what was it, six points in the first half, fourteen points in the second half, something like that in terms of games. A guy that's not really aggressive as a scorer, basically. He's a guy who chooses his time to turn up. I think in summer league, yes, it was one game where he really went off, but I think that's one of those circumstances that shows you he can go, he can go his full stint, 40, 35, 40 minutes and just be, you know, be a hooper. So the reason why I asked you that, and Theus, I'm going to come to you in a second, is the reason why I asked you guys that is just because I feel like no matter what end of the spectrum you guys are on, there's oh, me personally feel like there's always something to take away from summer league. It's how much you lean into that takeaway that really matters the most. And, I mean, you brought up a good point, too, with the whole turnover to assist ratio and all that stuff. Like, well, even though, like, those numbers are, you know, important and cool, like, well, that was, like, one of the biggest things like, I know Pump Face is the idea of, like, and we try not to be analytic nerds slash dive too much into the numbers. It's like, yo, if a dude mm-hmm. is a hooper, he's a hooper. Right. And that doesn't mean that we necessarily ignore numbers, right? We can't be, you know, like, they don't matter. But, like, at the end of the day, like, hoopers apparently are rare. So <laughs> being able to, to put the ball in the basket isn't something that we could just sleep at and act like it's common. Even though it's the NBA and stuff like that, not all 450 guys can put the ball in the basket with ease. So mm-hmm. when you get a guy that can, you need to cherish it, right? You need to take advantage of that and understand that, you know, you might have some. You know what I mean? Yeah, Ryan, I mean, any final thoughts on Summer League? We're going to start moving into some of these, like, quick hitters talking about free agency and stuff. But any last words on Summer League, Ryan? Because I think – that really with this passing by, it leaves us with a little bit to think about when it comes to this rookie class. This class in particular has probably received some of the most hype over the last like four to five years in terms. I think Lonzo's class was probably the last one that got like significant hype within the media like this one. But in terms of the depth of this class, I think it might even be more significant. So, Ryan, what is what is one of the you know last takeaways for you in terms of summer league? I'm impressed with the amount of talent that there is right now, especially between the 2020 class and the 2021 class being able to shine on the court. And I think you made a lot of great points. Theus, I think, made an interesting point because the summer league is about hooping. There's no analytics behind it. You go out there, you play basketball. That's what you're taught to do. And I think that kind of let everybody run free, essentially, because you get to see guys not work within a system. You get to see guys just play basketball. I just think that there's so much talent that 
the 2022 season, this upcoming season, could be a season where we see a lot of these younger players step up and have great seasons. Yeah, Thieves, any final words in terms of summer league, just like in terms of takeaways before we move on to free agency? Um, I mean, the rookie class is here. You know, that, that mm-hmm. that's probably my biggest takeaway is that, um, you know, obviously a couple guys got a little banged up, but I think, like, I look, I'm just happy that they got to have a summer league. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy that we didn't have to deal with back-to-back classes where, you know, they had to have, you know, a, a complete shortened offseason. Um, they can kind of get used to their team, used to their franchises, used to the teammates, mm-hmm. um, used to the coaching staff, everything like that, because that was definitely an adjustment. Um, and, you know, from a fan perspective, it was definitely dope to see basketball being played um, in Vegas for summer league. So um, that's probably just my biggest takeaway is the fact that it's here. <laughs> you know what I mean, I think last year going without it, it kind of put everything a little bit into perspective. Like, damn, this is really supposed to be one of the most fun times of the year in the league, essentially. Um, but now, because it's not as serious. You know mm. I mean, like, shout out to the Kings, but, you know, as an organization, your number one goal isn't to win some league championship, right? So I think it allows people, fans, coaches, everybody to just really take a step back and enjoy the game. Similar to All-Star. You know, it's not right. as serious as trying to win an NBA Finals. It's not as serious as draft night. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's probably my biggest thing is just the fact that we got to see fun basketball again. Well, Ryan, I told you this. I told you this is how I rock. When y'all alley-oop me into my transitions, it make me feel good about myself. Yeah. And nothing is more serious in the offseason than making a free agency signing, right? Because you're always trying to improve your team in order to work towards that championship that Theus was talking about. Free agency was booming despite the fact that the names weren't there. We had a couple of bodies hit real quick in terms of signing trades and make some real movement um, across the league. And it happened in a really quick amount of time, which is something that I guess you could say is pretty anticipated, but considering this this free agency pool was not that crazy, I think it actually happened a lot faster than maybe we even could have expected. So, these, I'm going to start with you. What is one team this offseason, one team at the top of your list that you said improved the most this offseason, whether it be through free agent moves they made, whether it be what they did in the draft, simply just the fact that you know guys are going to get better. Who do you feel like this offseason got better the most? Um, off rip, I would say the Lakers and Bulls. Um, okay. Lakers, I mean, they were able to get the third superstar that I feel like they needed in Russ. Um, it's, that's going to take a lot of pressure off um, LeBron and AD during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing that the Lakers liked last year was just that guy who, you know, LeBron could just really get the ball to him to say, all right, let me, let me just relax. And, and, and AD is definitely like that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in terms of, um, as we all know, Russ, you know, he's going to bring the intensity on the basketball court every single game. You don't have to mm-hmm. worry about him taking no night off just because, you know, he's trying to relax. So I think we now know what LeBron is capable of, but we at the same time, father time, you know, is father time. So if Russ can, you know, somehow allow LeBron to rest a little bit and, you know, take some time, not necessarily missing games, but, you know, he doesn't have to go out there and average, you know, 38 and 8, you know, mm-hmm. um, having Russ. And obviously still Anthony Davis on the team is definitely going to help tremendously. Um, and then, I mean, they added so many other pieces too. Trevor Reese, Dwight Howard, um, you know, Wayne Ellington, Kenny, like so many guys that I think will fit in well with LeBron. Um, and then moving on to the East, Chicago, um, you added DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and, you know, even Caruso. Um, you know, obviously two former Lakers and a guy who I felt like the Lakers should have gotten. Um, but De- DeMar DeRozan, king of the midi. Um, the midi is not dead and he 
is a perfect example of why that's the case. Lonzo, um, a terrific passer. Um, Caruso, excellent defender. So I think having those three guys as additions and honestly, and still having Vucevic and Levine, um, I really do think it's playoff time for Chicago. I, you know, I think I saw a video of Levine talk about, um, he hasn't won a, you know, four straight games since, um, college or high school or something. Like that, and that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to end for the Bulls, you know, this year. I think they're going to win at least four games in a row one time, hopefully. Um, then also too, staying in the East Coast, um, shout out to my man, uh, Kemba, you know, um, you know, him signing with New York. I hope, you know, he's able to return to his true form. I know things kind of didn't end the way he wanted to with the Celtics and being shipped off to OKC was kind of tough. Uh, but I think now playing home, right? I mean, you know, playing at MSG, um, I know that Nick's crowd is going, definitely going to embrace him. Um, and, you know, I, I think, um, you know, that, that team as a whole, the Knicks, and I'm proud for the, of the Knicks. You know, I'm saying that on the real. I know, trust me, <laughs> the Knicks have, as we all know, have received a lot of shit over the like the last decade it seems like but at the same time man you got to get flowers and flowers to do straight like that it don't matter how much you dislike a team dislike a player the Knicks have made noise over the last year and signing uh Kimba um has definitely helped that so I would say those are like my top three um teams that definitely made some noise um come free agency um, I know a lot of people are still waiting on Portland what the hell is going on up there in the northwest um the free dame chants have been going on for long, 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 and I think they're going to keep going until he's either traded or they give that man some some more help. Um, but, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely not easy. Um, I think so often right, we, we, we get happy when teams make big moves, but mm-hmm. like, there's a lot that goes into it, right? It's not just a simple snap of the finger. It's not just a simple, all right, you know, we're going to trade him. Like, you got to make sure you get the right pieces back in return. That's why, and I, I mean, shout out to Philly. I know a lot of people – want them to trade Ben Simmons, but we how quickly forget Ben Simmons is, is still talented. Right? Ben Simmons is still a good basketball player. You're not just going to give him up for a bag of chips. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when you think about what he can do for your team, granted, again, that's another guy who, you know, he may not have ended his season the way he wanted to, but he's still a number one overall pick. He's still a versatile player. He still can play great defense. So I understand not wanting to give up um, a valuable piece of your team until you receive what you feel like he's worth. We're still talking about a number one team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and honestly, I will say um, the Suns as well, you know, being able to keep Chris Paul, the contract that he got, I'm not going to hold you, was a little OD. Um, but, I mean, hey, they fresh off winning the NBA Finals. I am not about to get mad at, at a brother for getting his back. So um, that's another one. And also, too, I'm going to say Milwaukee. You know, sometimes the best move is no move. And the reason why I say that, they got everybody coming back, right? I, I, like everyone is talking about, you know, all those other teams getting new guys, right? Again, the Lakers, the Bulls, the Heat, the Knicks, um, everybody, right? Milwaukee, they chilling, right? Like obviously you should always want to improve, but don't get it twisted. You bring, bring back the guys that just want to chip. Hey, you know, you didn't lose, you know, your top guys. You still got Giannis. You still got Drew. You still got Chris. You feel me? So it, it's like sometimes, again, the best move is no move. So, there's a lot of moves um, around free agency, but I would say those are uh, my top winners um, of free agency. And shout out to the Heat, too. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned them, but Kyle Lowry, as you mentioned before, being added to Miami. Um, you know, I, d- I definitely think he's going to bring um, some toughness to their franchise as well. So um, a lot of different moving pieces, um, but it's going to be one heck of a season, I'll say. Ryan, there's a lot of teams listed out, and I think that, honestly, I feel like, even then, I first of all, I think that 
uh, I think that Thea's naming as many teams as he did just goes to show you how many teams improved this offseason. But I think in terms of defining who really improved the most, I think a lot of people are putting around exactly what player they signed as in the talent of that player, as opposed to what that play, what that player or those group of players do to uplift the team overall. Do they upload, is it uplifting their talent pool or are they uplifting the team in terms of being a better contender? So Ryan, from your perspective, who do you believe are, I, I guess we can kind of like put it this way. Who do you believe are some of those teams, um, at the top of this free agency pool that really improved themselves and put themselves in championship contention? A lot of teams improved. I mean, I know Thea said New York and Chicago. I think those are the two teams that instantly come to mind. Miami picking up Kyle Lowry I thought was great because they needed point guard depth. They just needed a championship point guard that could lead them to the championship. I mean, he has championship experience. I think he, he, he doesn't need to be that first option. He doesn't need to be that second option. He just needs to be able to lead an offense, play defense, and shoot threes. If he can do that, the Miami have a winner. I would say two other teams that I'll mention. I think I, I would say Dallas and Denver. These are two teams that made small moves, not big moves. And I think the small moves are what will count for both these teams. Let's start with Dallas for a second. Resigning Tim Hardaway Jr., perfect, because – he was the guy who stepped up for you in the playoffs and became that reliable second option. And he's a guy that can hit threes and can give you 15 to 20 a game. I think it's perfect. You get Reggie Bullock and you also get Sterling Brown, who are also good three-point shooters. Sterling Brown, I don't think, was utilized well in Houston. I think he'll definitely get some more time to shine in Dallas. Reggie Bullock, I think he had a career year in terms of hitting threes. I think he shot over 40% from three. He's a guy that could be a third, fourth option outside of Dallas's little big three of Luca, Kristaps Porzingis, and Tim Hardaway Jr. So I think Dallas inserted themselves into this. We can be a three-point convers. We could be a three-point shooting team too by adding guys who can shoot the three consistently. And then Denver. This is another team that didn't make a lot of big moves. Austin Rivers, I thought, was great because when you think about the fact that Jamal Murray's not going to be there for most of next season because of the ACL injury that he had last season, you have to find a guy that can be a capable starting point guard. And Austin Rivers, during that 10-day contract, showed you that he could be a capable starting point guard. Resigning Jermichael Green, I thought, was huge because you needed that, that forward depth. Getting Jeff Green, too, as a guy that can hit threes and add to that forward depth, I think will be another great addition. So I think the smaller moves are what matter for those teams in order to try to contend. I think across the board, you both have interesting points about how teams improved. I think, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Milwaukee improving by not doing anything too over the top, not being a team that said, we won the championship. Let's start doing a bunch of crazy stuff to keep this ball rolling. You know what I mean? Moving contracts and stuff like that and just kind of standing pat and making sure that everything was uh, intact. Um, you look at Brooklyn, I think they're an interesting one because really all they did was sign Patty Mills and everybody's like, yep, they're killing everybody. And I mean, in reality, yes, they have those big three, which will lead you to believe that. But adding a guy like Patty Mills adds to their, their point guard depth, which is huge because last year, I mean, that was really what lost in that series against Milwaukee was the fact that no Kyrie, you know, hobbled James. That puts you in a situation where, you know, you're not really – you know, you're not really built to contend against Milwaukee. And they still hung in. They still hung in to the end. I mean, 
Kevin Durant wears a size shoe smaller, then we might be having a completely different conversation about all this, right? But still, just to put it in perspective, like their depth is what really hurt them in that situation, and specifically at point guard. So to get a guy who's been on a championship caliber roster more years than not, to have played under a coach like Greg Popovich all this time, and then to bring that championship caliber you know, talent who also killed in Australia, right? When we talk about the Olympics and Patty Mills, this is a guy who's going to be legit coming off the bench for them. So I think it's going to be huge. And then, I mean, for me, I'm going to put it like this. The way I view the teams that improved this season, I, I, I feel as though everybody improved incrementally. I don't think anybody jumped out the gym. I think that just has to do with the talent pool that we had. One team that I think low key got better was Washington. The reason why I think Washington got better is because they're a team that because they have very interesting project players on their team, trading Russell Westbrook from a talent standpoint could look a little wild, but what they got back is is fit. They got a guy, they were able to make it move, make make it work where they were able to acquire Spencer Dinwiddie in a, a sign and trade in a sign and trade where they didn't even have to give up a player. Ryan, I remember we had the conversation, we thought Kuz or Montrez were gonna have to be in the deal, maybe both of them, depending on how all the money had to work. They didn't have to give up any of them. I think it was like a conditional second or something like that and uh, just to kind of make it work and pretty much opened up a trade exception for them. You talk about KCP. He has defense next to a guy in Bradley Beal, which is huge because Bradley Beal's whole mantra last year was that they couldn't guard a parked car, right? So now you in, you insert that in. You add to this this forward slash center depth by keeping Montrez Harrell on the team, which I think is huge because, you know, Daniel Gaffer's going to be getting a bulk a bulk load of the minutes, but he's a guy who can be nicked here and there. Thomas Bryant is coming off of missing the entire season, which can't be slept on. Denny Avdia, I think that when you have a ball-dominant guard like Russ, a guy like Denny Avdia being turned into a spot-up three-point shooter, the main thing everybody harped on during his during his draft process would hurt him the most is being a three-point shooter. When you turn him into that because of the player that Russ is, you pretty much minimize what your draft pick is. And this is a guy that was taken ninth overall. Rui Hachimura is a guy who's slowly improving, but he's a guy who's getting better with the ball in his hands. Again, with a guy like Russell Westbrook, who dominates the ball to a certain extent. Yes, he gets assists and stuff like that. We're not going to like undermine that. I'm not trying to undercut that. But this is a high-usage player. You insert high-usage player next to other guys who only can improve by also having the ball in their hand, you put yourself in a tricky cap-strap situation. Now... You have a motivated Kyle Kuzma. You have a Spencer Dinwiddie who is who is going to be a guy who can give you like 15 points a game, but is going to be a real off-the-ball threat next to a guy in Bradley Beal who is definitively their scoring option now as opposed to kind of like the on-off aspect that he had next to Russell Westbrook. I think that this team, they don't jump out the gym, but this is not a team that I think with the construction that they have is going to be fighting for 10th the way they did last year. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, it ended out working out for them in terms of making the playoffs, but I don't think this is a team that's going to have the kind of roller coaster ride they had last year. It's because their depth is filled out in a way they haven't had in years, I guess is the best way to phrase it. So that's the team I'm going to go with. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan, I guess I should just go ahead and unveil this again for Theus. Theus, you might not have heard the episode uh, that we dropped recently, but... I went out on a limb. I'm an East Coast kid, right? So I was born in Georgia. Born born in Georgia, raised as a Bulls fan because of my pops, but I live here in DMV, so I mess with, the, with with Washington. I went out on a limb and said that my preseason prediction is I think all three of my teams are going to make the playoffs. 
not to play in, not to, not to play in tournament, not just barely squeak through. I think all three of my teams are going to make the playoffs because Atlanta, I think, is the truth. And I think that they get DeAndre Hunter back and they get Cam Reddish healthy. I think Sharif Cooper is going to get time on his team, despite what people believe. I think that he's actually going to get some PT. I think Jalen Johnson is going to be pretty legit early on, too. I think with Washington, I think they're more filled out as a roster now in a way where maybe when you take out a talent like Russ, they're hurt. But I think as a unit, they're better. And then when you talk about Chicago, you already mentioned them beforehand. I think from a talent, if you want to talk talent, this was the offseason for that. Alice Caruso, I think that now Kobe White is put in a position. I might just go out on a limb right now. I think Kobe White will finish top three in the six-man-of-the-year conversation this year because he's going to be put in a position where now – that is his job. He doesn't have to be worried about being the on and off starting point guard every other night. He's playing next to Alex Caruso, who covers up for his defensive deficiencies. So I think Kobe White's going to be the truth next to three guys in Lonzo Ball, who maximizes Zach Levine. DeMar DeRozan maximizes Lonzo Ball because Lonzo Ball struggles in the half court in a way that DeMar DeRozan does not. Lonzo Ball thrives in the in the, the long game in terms of transition in a way that Zach Levine loves to play. So I think all of that works out in a way where I think all three of these teams are going to be dangerous uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, the, the Kobe White at six men a year might be a little tough just because I'm thinking they have three guys who can give you like 20. You know what I'm saying? Like you got DeMar, you got Zach, and Vucevic. So I definitely think he can, but it would be it would be a little tough, I think. Um, in terms of Washington, you brought up a good point, too, that like even though they lost Russ and uh, my man uh, Mike, who used to work at Slam, Slam shout out to him, he mentioned how um, Washington is now more balanced. Right, mm-hmm. like you see a guy like Russ, it definitely sucks when you think about it. Hang on now. We might have a solid starting five. You know, we, exactly. there, there's more, you know, opportunities for everyone else in that starting five. Um, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting though. I still think Bradley Bill is, is that dude. I think shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie, shout out to Trash, shout out to Coos. Um, they have pieces to make the playoffs. Now, I won't go further than that. <laughs> I won't say, you know, stay around or count right. you know, yeah, I mean, of course. They, they can they can sneak in, you know, get, probably end up the same exact situation they were in last year, you know, eight seed get bounced out the first round. Um, Atlanta, shout out to Sharif too. That's another that's another um summer league name. I don't think um we or at least I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Atlanta Atlanta's here. Atlanta is here. You know, like I won't put them in the Milwaukee and Brooklyn combo just yet. Mm-hmm. They're here. Like to me, they jumped. So much ranking last year. A lot of folks didn't even have them making the offs. You feel me? A lot of people didn't even have them making the offs. And they went. You hear that, Ryan? Not even making the playoffs. They have people not, not even making, making the, the playoffs. playoffs. Folks had them as a lottery team. And, you know, okay, to me, it was like, all right, that first round against the Knicks, like, all right, you know, it was cute. You know what I'm saying? You beat the Knicks. You know, Trey did what he, you know, had to do. He, you know, he, you know, he made that little float or whatever. He was like, yo, it's quiet as hell in here. All right, I get it. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Then they went out and beat Philly. That's what I was like, all right. It, it, it's not, you know, they're not, they're not a joke. They didn't they're not a joke, Brian. You heard me. They, they play against Philly, they're no game. Yeah, exactly. B ain't no scrub. Ben Simmons, <laughs> despite popular belief right now, ain't no scrub. Right. So you go out there and beat a team like that, the number one seed in the conference, I mean, they got my attention. You know, I, I always say ain't nothing wrong with being wrong. It, you're a human, but when you are, you gotta acknowledge it. And there's a lot of people still that owe Atlanta an, an apology. But I promise you, outside of that city, 
there ain't too many folks that had them making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. There ain't too many folks that had them a couple of games away from playing the NBA Finals. And keep it stacked, you know, Milwaukee was definitely a better team. Yeah, they had Giannis. But had they beat Milwaukee, who knows what they could have done against Phoenix. You know what I'm saying? And then if they win the final, you know, I'm not going to jump ahead too much. But just the idea that, like, yo, this is a team now, a talented player who's 25 and under, and people wanted the Trey Young versus Luka conversation. And for a very long time, it was a guarantee that Luka was a better player. But I'll be honest with you. There are now there, – there's like a pool of players that I feel can be the best player in the league three years from now. And there's five people in that pool. I would say Trey Young, Book, Spider, Luka, and Jason Tatum. Now, okay. you know, one, one could, I guess, throw Zion in there if they, if they want to, you know, entertain some conversation. I get that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be bad at that. But the thing is, right, just off those five that I named, not including Zion, the thing is, we know about those five, four of them got some pretty decent play- playoff success. Mm-hmm. Jason Taylor got some playoff success. Trey Young got some playoff success. Devin Book was two wins away from, from, from winning the finals. Spider got some playoff success. But the one guy that everybody done fell in love with, the one guy that everyone is, is hailing the next best player, the one guy that everyone say, yo, this is going to be his league three years from now, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we might want to, you know, we, and again, this ain't taking, not taking anything away from Luka, whether you feel, you know, these other good four guys, he has a better team, or whatever, that's the team the day. But in terms of, like, who's getting things done in the offs, come on now. It, it 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 damn sure ain't no all right. It's Luca and and the rest and the rest of those guys over there. No, <laughs> you got four other brothers out there that get for doing work in the playoffs or have done work in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, and like I said, Luca's had you know moments and stuff in playoffs. You know he's played some great teams and you know shit happens. But when you comparing guys, hey, those other guys got some got some series wins in them. So it, it, it's it's just something to think about. So let's let's take that because we're gonna start uh, we're gonna start moving towards wrapping uh, this pod up. So we're gonna start rapid firing through stuff a little bit, and we're gonna start with the Lakers, which I think is interesting. Again, I love when I get alley oop to segue, and we talk about a team with really really strong playoff success. Not even just as a franchise, but obviously the lead man is LeBron James coming off a championship two seasons ago, and this is a team that. Last year was kind of dicey. The way the, the way the year went for the most part was a little interesting. The way they finished was definitely a head scratcher for some in terms of a lot of people, including myself, penciling them past Phoenix, um, to kick off that playoff series. So this, you're the resident Lakers fan on the, on the pod and I want to, uh, kind of rely on your thoughts a little bit more than our own. Me and Ryan have not done a deep dive on the Lakers the way we've done on some of these other teams in terms of our Wheel of Fandom series we've been working on. So for you, we're going to kind of just go through a couple of things with them real fast. The first thing that I want to ask you is, how do you feel about their offseason as a whole? I know you talked about it a little bit in terms of you feeling like they improved as a team, but how do you, as a, let's go Lakers fan mode, because I know you tried to dial it back. I can see it on your face when you first listed them off. You're like, let me not go too deep. But if you're a Lakers fan and you see their offseason and they got little pieces here and there, and this is a team that didn't have a lot of money to spend too, right, going in this offseason, with what they did, the big thing being Russ, obviously, how do you feel about your team going into next season? Um, I feel great about the Lakers' chance next season. One, because they have LeBron James. Like, 
you know, we could talk about free agency moves and trades and all that, but at the end of the day, they have LeBron James and no one else does. That's that's first. That's okay. first. I don't I don't want any, anyone to ever forget that. I don't want to <laughs> get caught up in the, the the you know, this is a crazy off season. Lakers have LeBron James. Very simple. <laughs> Moving on number two. Um, I mean they look, they cured their biggest problem, and that was needing a third score. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, granted that's you know one of the most talented duos in the in the history of the league, but they still needed that third guy, and I think they have that um, in Russ. And then, you know, you get the opportunity to possibly have Russ playing with that second unit. Come on now. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's terror for other teams, you know. Um, and, again, that, that's going to give um, the Lakers, you know, Russ – I mean, excuse me, LeBron and AD a chance to kind of rest in, in, in a different way, right? They won't have as much pressure on them. And also, too, I mean, they got veteran guys that are looking to win now, right? Like, at this point in his career, and I guess for the past 10, 15 years, LeBron has always been in win-now mode. Any team that he's on is in a win-now mode, right? We, we saw years ago when, when Cleveland made that, that trade, Wiggins for, for K-Love. It was like it's because they're in a win-now mode. So it's people talking about the Lakers, you know, they don't really have much youth. They de- Lakers are trying to win right now. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I, if we were talking like, you know, 10 years from now, would I be scared as hell? Absolutely. But figure that out later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, got, we got three guys that are capable of giving you 30 on any given night. I love right. our chances of winning the NBA Finals. Again. I really do because again, I know I know people are talking about fit. You know, LeBron and Russ not always having the greatest um, jumper, but LeBron and Dwayne Wade didn't have the greatest jumper, and, get, and look what they did: four straight finals. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think anything like to me, it's fit is important. Don't get me wrong; I don't ever speak on that, but you get the talent first, and right. then you figure it out. Okay, like, so let me so let me piggyback off that real quick. So let's move on to my next question. With that being the case, talking about fit, right? Do you believe that based on what you did this offseason that there's something you're still missing on this team? You know, Shooter comes to mind, even though I think you guys addressed that with guys like Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk. You guys got a ball handler in terms of getting uh, in terms of getting Kendrick Nunn. Thought that was pretty interesting. Your center position, a little sketchy, but you guys got the white back. What what do you do you think and there's I, something that you're still missing? And I was just gonna get ready to say that. Um I would say rim protection. Okay. Um, you know, and maybe a little bit I'll say the bench, maybe in terms of having just that firepower off the bench. Hopefully, you know, Malik Monk off the top. Oh, never mind. We have Melo. What the hell? So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, depending on, you know, what they do with the whole, um, you know, who starts or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Rip protection off rip, I would say Dwight, obviously, you know, he controls the paint and stuff. But if we can avoid putting AD at that five, you know, and okay. allow him to kind of roam and stuff like that, um, you know, keep him out of foul trouble. Um, but, I mean, you know, no, no team in the history of the league has been perfect. But I think anytime you can kind of have those three guys and everyone else, I think, understand their role. I don't like off the top of my head, if I had to guess, there probably won't be too many ego issues because, I mean, when you join a team with LeBron James, you know what type of time it is, um, especially, too, when, you know, you you understand that you really have a strong likelihood of making the NBA finals and winning the NBA finals. Um, I think, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I think there's something like Kendrick Nunn could have gone somewhere else, but he took mm-hmm. less money to win a chip and he's mm-hmm. young. Now you you see guys like Carmelo Anthony and, and vets in the league and the David West of the world do that because they just want to chip. This brother's right. young, so that lets you know what type of time he's on and and you know um, how that whole group as a unit is looking like. All right, yo, we can really do some shit here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't sleeping on Brooklyn, but <laughs> the Lakers could really make some noise. Okay, he just keep he keep giving them to me, Ryan. He keep handing them to me because now we now we gotta get in our next mix, Ryan. You know we ain't got the episode just yet, but we got it coming. We gotta talk contenders now. You can't just slide in Brooklyn and we not talk about where you at. So let me let me ask you this now. Talking about the Lakers, we're gonna wrap up on the Lakers real quick before we close this out. Yep. Talking about contenders, right? 
Off the dome, I'm going to let Ryan react, actually. I'm going to let Ryan do the reaction instead of me. Off the dome, your top five in the league right now. His players or teams? Teams. Top five teams in the league right now heading into this next season that we're coming up on. All right, let's knock these out. Uh, let's get Brooke. Oh, well, first, Lakers in there. <laughs> Lakers. <laughs> Lakers. No, actually, no, I, I, out of respect. I'm going to say this chance first. I'll just out of respect. Because they've, they've proven that they, you know. Is this in order or is this just your top five team? I, I like an order. I, I don't like just saying the top five. Okay, I like Okay, I like it. I like and, it. Let's and, go. Not having an order to me is weak. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Confirm with your decision. Um, yes, so let's get going. I, I'll go Milwaukee at one. They've proven that they won a championship. You've got to show respect. Number two, I'm going to go with um, the Los Angeles Lakers. Number three, I'm going to go Brooklyn Nets. Number four, I'm going to go Phoenix Suns. Number four, I'm going to go Phoenix Suns. Number five. Damn, number five. Okay. Five is tough. Clippers, no Kawhi. Philly saw what the hell happened out there. We already ooh, five is tough. I think I don't have a choice but to say Clippers. I don't say it in a comfortable way. You don't have a choice. You, know, I don't, mean, you don't have a choice. That don't, that don't sound – hey, Ryan, that sounds like a pump fake to me, G. I'm not, no, it's not a pump fake because I'm just making sure I'm not forgetting nobody. That's all. Oh, come on. I just say my damn – am I about to say Philly? All right. Fine. Philly because of injuries, but it's Philly. So, <laughs> my, my top five teams for this upcoming season, in order. Okay. Uh, Milwaukee, Lakers, Brooklyn, Suns, Philly. If, if y'all think I missed somebody, please feel free to let me know. No, I think, I mean, I think it's interesting. This is why I said, because we're, we're doing this thought experiment because we want to really gauge the room. As we get our next couple of guests, we really want to get a vibe because I think yes. for me personally, there's some people in, in my camp that believe that Atlanta, with the kind of improvement they're going to have in terms of their depth, they'll come back and be dangerous. The Knicks, the Knicks were only missing one thing last year, and that was a legit ball handler. I'm not saying they're a top five team in the league, but the one thing they think, I am not going to say that the New York Knicks are the fifth best team in the national basketball season. I wouldn't go that I limit. I gave them flowers earlier on this show, but I am not saying that the New York Knicks are the fifth. That is not about to happen. But I will say this, though. The only reason why, y'all, for all my L.A. people, the only reason why I was saying that I didn't name the Clippers is because of Kawhi's injury. That's it. It's not I agree with that. I was going to say, I think the other th- and, and the thing is, interesting thing about that is we don't have the timetable on that either. I think that yeah. he's not going to play the whole year, but you don't want to jump the gun, which I feel. Same thing with Denver. We don't know when Jamal Murray's coming back, but we know he's more than likely right, going right, to play right, next right. season. So yeah. it's Denver in the mix. But, again, you don't want to jump the gun. So I feel like that's why I said we're trying to gaze the room. Because no matter where you go, I don't think right now you're wrong. I don't think where no matter what five you pick, I don't think you're wrong because the 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 parity, and this is – I'm going to give Ryan a chance to react to your list real quick, but that gives us our – that that's what's going to segue us into this closing is the parity in the league. Well, it's so yeah. interesting. The top four are a stamp. The top four, to me, it, it shouldn't even be a debate. To me. Let me ask you this real quick, and I'm going to pass it to Ryan after. Miami or Philly? I think I just helped you answer your question. See, that's the thing, because you had to think about it. Well, that's, that's what I said. The, the five I'm can saying. be like a rotation of like five teams. That's what I'm saying. I, that's what I mean, as I think that no matter where you sit down, you can go down this list and really find somebody else. Ryan, what I want to ask you real quick is, right, Based on Theus's list, right? I'm not gonna say who he missed, not because that's the thought experiment. Is there's a lot of parity in the league, and I don't think, especially when you get to five, I agree with him. I don't think you're wrong. With you, who is the team that you, if you're, if you say Philly's five, right? Who do you say is six? 
Ryan, who do you think is six? Who who just barely misses the cut for you to the point that if you sit there and you look at that top five, you had a gun to your head, had to pick one team, who's six? So for number six off of your list, it's tough because I think for me the two teams come to mind that come to mind for me are Atlanta and Miami. Atlanta has that ceiling of making the Eastern Conference Finals this past year that now that the, the, the standard is so high for them, mm-hmm. I worry that they won't meet that standard. And it's, and it's a tough Eastern Conference. Miami, I think, will meet that standard because they got significantly better, and the Summer League proved that they have a lot of depth that this team can go legitimately 10-11 deep. Mm-hmm. So I have to say Miami. See, I and again, this is what I mean when I say this because I think that this is so interesting because there and we'll, we're segueing into like the real closings of these of this podcast when we talk about parity. This is where I kind of want to start closing things out is talking about parity. This is why I love this question so much is because this is the perfect year where we can have this conversation and really lean into it. And so what I want to say with this is the storylines across the board, I think, are going to be really interesting. Did Atlanta top out? Is Utah going to keep hitting the first round wall? Does Denver get a second life when Jamal Murray shows up? Does Kawhi Leonard play this year at all? Is the Lakers team too old? I don't believe so, but there's a lot of people who memed it on Twitter after it took place. Let's not pretend like it wasn't a thing. Is Miami signings? Is this the right way to go about it? They got a they got a whole roster too to a certain extent, and they got some guys that are signed pretty deep in terms of years moving forward, which means this is a core established. Did Chicago actually get better enough to convince Zach Levine to to resign? Which I think is like sometimes gets swept under the rug and all of these other offseason things. So Diaz, I'm actually go to you first. With all the parity in the league right now. I listed a bunch of storylines off. You can, of course, pick one of those or one of your own. What is one? We're going to go with one per person. What is one storyline you are most excited to see this upcoming season, most excited to follow throughout the entirety of this upcoming season? Jason Tatum taking that step into superstar status. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was one of your storylines, but that's one I'm going to go with anyway. I like that Um, one. Because Jason Tatum is still, you know, obviously a young basketball player. But at some point, age no longer becomes an excuse when it comes to questioning greatness, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the Celtics fans, for a very long time now, have always said he's only 19, right? That's the running joke, how, how young he was. Right. But eventually, there's going to be a time where we start to ask, where are the wins? Where are the finals appearances? Where are the MVPs? Now, I don't think we've reached a point where we can – challenge put a challenge on it just yet because mm-hmm. you know the, the lebrons the harden the katie's the steps of the world are still running the league right but will this be the season where we see jt really go off for let's say 30 a game mm-hmm. will this be the season where we see him put the celtics ahead of philly clearly and make mm-hmm. it obvious will this be the season where we say you know what it, it ain't about to be his time it is his time. Now, again, I think he's right on that verge. We've seen flashes. We've seen that he could be the best player on a very good basketball team. Mm. Taking that next step to being in that tier of – because, look, my thing is, too, going back to the whole that, – that group of five and maybe six, including Zion, which one of them is going to escape the pack, right? Mm. Which one of them is going like to be that, that yo, 
this is my league. Like All of y'all are close to me, right? The, the, the gap ain't going to be that too far, but I'm still above y'all. You right. got Luca, you got Zion, Trey, Book, Donovan, and Tatum. All six of those guys. You can make the case. You can put that order in literally top to bottom, and and I and I wouldn't have any problem. You got Zion at six four one. I wouldn't say damn you crazy. You got Trey at one or six. I wouldn't say you crazy at all. That six, you can make the case can be changed any way you want. So mm-hmm. which one of those six is gonna say nah? <laughs> I like here. that. The rest of y'all are gonna have to either wait or watch. I like that. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Which one? Because again, the, the the Brooklyn versus L.A. The, the Russ or Carmelo getting their first ring. Mm-hmm. The, will, will James Harden get a ring and now be compared to Giannis? All right, cool. They all in their prime, right? They, right. they still, but at the end of the day, they all got MVPs. Their legacies is already stamped. But those other six guys, it's like, yo, somebody in the next three years is going to have to take this crown from LeBron James, Steph, mm-hmm. and KD. Who the hell is it going to be? And that, to me, is the number one question. Right. Who, what is one storyline you are going to be following this upcoming season, what is one storyline that just got you super excited for the next season coming up? I think the I think this might be on to some. That that list is real interesting. I like that. I want to see what you got to say. I think this is the story of the summer. Does Damian Lillard leave Portland? And this has been something that's been teased the entire summer. We've heard a lot of trade rumors. I've seen Damian Lillard in a Lakers jersey a lot, and. Honestly, I think there's a chance that he ends up getting traded. I think at some point, Jalen, we may have to have another bombshell collab because there's a chance that a week or two before the season, I'm calling it right now here on the Hoop Talk podcast, Okay, Damian Lillard gets traded. I don't know where, but I think that there's a chance that Damian Lillard actually leaves Portland because if you think about the disappointment, should I say, that he has with his organization in terms of a lack of making moves. Think about this, though. Portland has not been great since 2000, I want to say. And I will say great because they've been good in the past 20 years. They've had good teams. You think about the Brandon Roy, Greg Oden, and LaMarcus Aldridge team that went healthy was tearing apart the league. Mm-hmm. You think about the Damian Lillard, TJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic team that took, that took Portland to the Western Conference Finals against Golden State. That was a good team. A great team that could have won the championship and beaten the Lakers had Rasheed Wallace on it. It had Arvita Sabonis on it. It had Bonzi Wells on it. That team was stacked. And that, there hasn't been a great Portland team since that team. If you have an elite superstar like Damian Lillard, you have to put him in a great scenario with a great team that has a chance to actually win the championship. And now the Western Conference is becoming, I would say, weaker in a sense because a lot of moves have been made and a lot of players have left the West to go to the East. Hmm. So I think in that sense, there's a chance that Damian Lillard could end up going to an Eastern Conference team, but also there's a chance that Damian Lillard may stay, but Portland has to do a lot to make sure that he's happy. The Dame saga is going to be really interesting to see what they do. You calling that you think they might that he might get traded before the season starts? I think that'll be really interesting because I really think it'll just come down to what the trade package looks like. Because I mean, we got Daryl Morey out here screaming crazy 2K level trade packages for that man Ben Simmons. So I can only imagine what people are thinking about when it comes to Damian Lillard. My storyline that I simply want to follow right is this: I want to see which team in the Eastern Conference, takes themselves 
out of that bottom five and puts them into that top five area. Who's the next team to beat the Knicks is what I'm saying. The Knicks are a team that's been the joke, right? Like Theus mentioned earlier, the punchline for everybody's joke, the team that everybody did not take seriously, the team that wasn't sure if they were for real last year. And they came out and they put everybody on notice. Indiana has had a had a track record of playing above their weight, right? This is the team that was the fourth seed three years in a row. And, of course, you know, getting taken out in the first round, everybody's like, oh, I'm nothing to look at. But at the same time, from a regular season standpoint, they were one of those teams that you had to at least keep your eye out on. I want to see if one of these teams, the Bulls missed the playoffs last year. Charlotte barely missed the playoffs last year. Um, even on the west west side, I think the Timberwolves are an interesting team with second-year Anthony Edwards, a full season of Carl Anthony Towns. I want to see across the board of which on what side of these which on both sides of these brackets which team takes themselves out of the basement. I want to see which one of these teams really improves and catapults themselves back into being in a legit conversation for just being a playoff team. Because there's a lot of franchises over the last couple of years that have been on the outside looking in, not having no fun come the summertime, right? I can speak to this being a Bulls fan. It's been tough for like four years smooth in terms of watching it take place like this. So I want to see which basement team plays their self above their pay grade, above their weight class. And I I think that I think Sacramento's an interesting squad on that in that front. I think Chicago improved enough to be that team. But I think we could get completely taken off guard and somebody else could come out the fray and be way better than we expect. That's what I want to see. So with that being the case, we're gonna hit two last things real quick. The first thing is I'm gonna give you guys one one word answers. Theus, your way too early league MVP is who? Kevin Durant. Ryan, your way too early league MVP is who? I'm gonna say Devin Booker. Woo! Whoa! Okay. I, like it. I respect it. Okay. I respect it. I'm not mad. At it, it has to happen. It it has to happen this year. I'm not mad at it at all. I'm that is it. okay. I'm not mad at it at all. So I'm gonna ride the hype train that we got going real quick, and I'm gonna say my way too early prediction for league MVP is gonna be Jason Tatum. I think that. I think Theus might be on to something. I think Theus might be on to something. And if this dude takes a second step from where he is right now, I think he's going to be a problem. And one of the key words, one of the, 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 if you if you don't get any word of the day from this podcast, if you have not been paying attention enough, there's been a, a key word that's been said throughout this pod through every segment. And it's been about opportunity. I think if there's anybody who's in a more interesting opportunity than, than most, across the league to really make a push for MVP, I think Jason Tatum might be an interesting candidate before that because a lot of people don't know where to slot the Celtics in the Eastern Conference right now. So that so when it comes from an expectation standpoint, it's not much for them. Yeah. Which makes me believe that Jason Tatum has a chance to not only play above his his pay grade, so to speak, in terms of, you know, where the Celtics rank in their in their weight class, but I think it gives him a chance to simply put himself in a conversation that right now a lot of people aren't having, which is what Diaz mentioned beforehand. Who's next? And I think that's I think that's that's who I'm gonna go with. I think that's who I'm gonna go with. Diaz, 
It has been so solid, bro, having you on the podcast, bro. I'm going to give you these last two, three minutes or so to just unleash for us real quick and close out the podcast for us. Any final words you have for us on the podcast? Any Lakers takes? Anything coming up on your podcast? Life stuff? Whatever you want to say, close us out of here. Yeah, for sure. Well, off rip, I just want to say thank you both for having me. Um, it's definitely been a pleasure and honor to, you know, rap about basketball and everything like that. Um, definitely shout out to No Pump Fix as well. The Slam presents No Pump Fix podcast. Um, shout out to the co-host, um, Amaya Smith. Shout out to Tyler Lee, who's definitely been holding it down um, with, you know, hosting our podcast and everything like that. Um, again, No Pump Fix podcast where we do nothing but yell about basketball. And I'm afraid <laughs> it takes. Um, but also, too, Defiant Legacy. Um, that's really my baby. You know, it's a podcast um, where, you know, like I said, the purpose is in the title, um, you know, a podcast where we talk about financial literacy um, and really help people and trying to help uh, change, you know, people's lives and families' lives, understanding, you know, about the stock market and understanding about saving and investing and, and everything like that, really passing down that education to our family and friends and um, the people that come after us. Um, just really, you know, define your legacy every single day. You know, that's been the number one goal of that podcast is to really um, spread that type of positivity. Um, define your legacy um, and just, you know, remember who you are. Remember what your purpose is. Because uh, like I said before, you know, we all have a legacy, whether we want one or not, whether we realize it or not, whether we care about what people think about us or not. You know, no one wants to have an empty funeral. You know what I'm saying so um, the, the impact and the value that you provide for people is is um, can't be um, talked about enough. You know, I mean, if there's anything that we've learned over this year and a half about, you know, the pandemic is COVID, it's just a reminder like, yo, life is short. So really make sure you understand that. Uh, sure. But then also on, on the basketball front, too, man, you know, it, it, it's been, like I said, a pleasure and honor to, to rap about it with y'all. Um, I, I stick to what I say. Definitely think the Lakers are going to win the finals. Um, be crazy to have Book or Tatum win, um, you know, MVP. Um, but, yeah, man, in terms of biggest storyline this year, that group of six, who is who is going to break out? Who is going to be the one that says, yo, it's my time? Um, but, yeah, you know, that's, that's, those are my biggest things, y'all. Defying legacy. And no pump fakes or slam. Um, but again, I appreciate y'all for having me, man. And yeah, dope. Yeah, I got a dope platform, you know. So definitely, you know, man, keep going. I think when people get on the, the podcast, you know, it's definitely dope to tell you know, the story. But you know, salute to y'all, man. Because as a person who hosts two podcasts, you know, I, I know it's like you know getting guests and putting the time in and everything like that, the posting, the editing, and I know that takes time. I know that might not always get the attention that it deserves. But uh, so shout out to y'all too, man. Keep doing it. Appreciate you, big dog. Ryan, get us out of here, bro. Question of the day, lock us out. Let's, let's go ahead. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, based on Jalen and Theus's points about Jason Tatum, do you believe that Jason Tatum can take that next step and take over the league and or become the league MVP? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple. You rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And we once again would like to thank Theus McBee for coming on and talking about some Summer League and Lakers basketball with us. And on that note, we will see you guys next episode. Peace!